Coming up on the WAC podcast, the WAC has some exciting news regarding our conference basketball tournament in March. We had some intense overtime thrillers in basketball and softball is right around the corner. We have the preseason coaches poll and we'll share with you the pick to win the conference. That's all ahead and more on the WAC podcast. This WAC podcast is brought to you by our friends at University Credit Union, the official financial institution partner of the Western Athletic Conference. Well, 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 we have a special guest returning to the WAC podcast this week, Miss Jessica Radford. Long time it's been since you've been on here. We're so excited to have you back as our good friend Eric Danner is away. He's celebrating his father's 90th birthday. So we're hoping that party goes well and he's enjoying his time in Tucson, Arizona. But now we get to have a ladies podcast. How about that? I know. First time for everything. It's okay. It'll be the best podcast yet. So Best <laughs> podcast yet. And we'll start off. We had some awesome breaking news this past week regarding our conference basketball tournament. So we have more games that will get a chance to be on ESPN Linear. So this is the big news. The final game of the WAC Women's Basketball Championship is now a 10.30 a.m. Pacific time tip on March 16th. It will be shown live on ESPNU. It's the first time in quite a bit that we've had a, a women's basketball tournament game on Linear. And then also... We have our men's semifinal. This is the second semifinal on March 15th that will either go on ESPNU or ESPN2. That's an 8.30 p.m. Pacific time tip. And, and we haven't had a, a men's semifinal tournament game on Linear TV since 2011. Of course, our men's basketball championship on March 16th at 8.30 p.m. Pacific time will also be on ESPN2. So just good news, you know, that just shows how, how our conference is expanding and, and getting recognition at the national level that ESPN is able to pick up some of these games and be able to show them live on, on linear TV. Oh, no, for sure. I think it's been, what, since 2016 that the Women's WAC Championship game has been on linear TV. So I think it is just a, a nod to the conference itself and how well our basketball teams are doing just to be able to showcase them on linear TV and get that extra coverage, especially a semifinals game uh, for the men's side, and then just to have the women's again, um, their championship um, in such a long time. Um, but yeah, just... A note to us and what we're doing as a conference and what our basketball teams are doing as a conference and to get that extra exposure, especially with us just, you know, announcing these RSN games as well. Um, so just all coverage and just for people to see our games is just really, really good for our conference. And how about this at 1030 a.m. Pacific time? And so we did we had to reach out to the coaches and because initially I believe that game would have been at like 3 p.m. or something yes. like that. And so definitely a lot earlier. We reached out to the coaches and and everyone was all for it. I mean, when you have a chance to be on linear TV, you know, hey, let's who is going to say no? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have that 1030 a.m. women's game and then we'll hang around the Orleans and we'll have that 8:30 p.m. men's game. It'll be a full fun day of action. It'll be a very, very long day. And I think it's so funny when you're already thinking about a week's worth of games. And then when you're just talking about spaced out like that, but it is all for a good cause. So we're really happy. We're really excited about that. Um, it is at 1030, which is good, but we're going to be pumped up. We're going to be ready for a women's game. And we're going to be right back at it at 830 <laughs> so, p.m. So it's okay. 
recording this from the wonderful city of Abilene, Texas. I'm in their convention center now. I believe something just just ended. So there's a little bit of noise over there if for those listening, if you can hear that. But, you know, men's basketball, let's let's dive into it. Thursday night hoops. We had an awesome slate of games and I was in Abilene watching the Tarleton State Abilene Christian game and my goodness was that a good one went to overtime you know it's so important in in our league to be able to win games at home and then pick up a few on the road i mean when you look at some of the stats i was trying to share this with coach victor head coach of seattle u who we will be hearing from soon in this podcast in our next segment about you know from about from last week from january 4th to last week less than 25% of our games have been won by road teams. And so just picking up, you know, you got to protect the home court, pick up a few wins on the road. And that's exactly what Tarleton State did last night. Overtime, it was insane. The Texans were up for a majority of the game. They Abilene Christian takes their first lead with under three minutes to play. It's down to the wire. Ja'Cory Smith hits a three to tie the game, forces it into overtime. And, and they end up pulling out the road victory. Lou Williams had 25 points on the night. Ja'Cory Smith, 17. Devin Barnes, 11. Three guys in double figures. Keandre Gotti almost had a double-double, nine points, 12 rebounds as well. And just a huge win for Tarleton State. I got a chance to talk to uh, Joseph Jones afterwards, and he compared the game to a heavyweight boxing match of you know, you, you're going to, if, if, if they're not going to, if you're punching them and they're not going down, you got to try a different area. You got to keep fighting. You're going to get hit. You're going to get knocked down. And they went seven minutes in the second half without scoring a bucket and somehow were able to come away with the win. I think it's always insane. I think it's like this across all of our um, teams, basketball teams, women's and men's, how in the final, that fourth quarter or those final, you know, five, 10 minutes is where it's, Stuff gets nitty gritty where you start tying it up um, and you see that change in momentum, whether it's a team coming back from down 10 points, 12 points, or, you know, it's you lost the lead, lead and now you're trying to gain it back and you're hitting a three, a crucial three, or you're hitting, you know, a layup or some hitting some crucial free throws at the last second to tie up the game and to send it into overtime. I feel like we've seen that multiple times during this regular season for both the men's and women. So it's always exciting games um, for that. And then of just tremendous, you know, effort to Charleston State, especially on the road, like you said, because it is hard to win on the road. I got a chance to actually talk to Ja'Cory Smith also afterwards. And I was like, hey, what, you know, last second three, what'd you see on that? And, you know, he kind of pointed, I iced my veins. <laughs> and, but he, but then he, you know, laughed and went more serious and was like, hey, look, I'm the senior on the team. I got, shooters got to shoot and I got to take this opportunity you know, if we're going to lose, we're going to lose by me, you know, and, and not taking the opportunity. So he really put it on himself. And that's one of the things Joseph Jones did was, hey, I got to rely on my seniors to be able to, to close this one out. It's his second year in the program. He's been such a big impact player. And he was like, you know what, I'm a, I'm a senior, you know, I got to take this shot. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it's on me. You know, I'm taking that fall for the, for the team there. And, and it did. And they ended up coming with the victory. So very cool there. And Going over to some more games in the WAC, we had Stephen F. Austin taking on Utah Valley. Stephen F. Austin getting that win at home, 77-72. And I believe I saw on Twitter, 
our good friend Jonathan Shusky, aka Buckets, Axum Insider over at SFA, and his tweet said that AJ Caduce is out for the season. Oh, so that would be a, a massive blow to the uh, to the Lumberjacks. They already lost Day Day Hall possibly for the year um, with his injury, and so you know they've been kind of struggling to to find ways to win, and they've been doing so. But yes. you know, losing AJ Caduced would be a would be a huge blow for them. No, for sure. But I also think that's also just like um, time for you know your players to step up. Your your players that's been starting for them, or your players that's coming off the bench that's not seen many minutes or haven't seen much time during the season um, to step up. You know, you have Joel Bobron, twenty two points. Um, I believe my thing is messing up. Where are you? At two points, yes, eight rebounds. You have Matt Haven with 14 points. Um, so you still have people, Latrell, Joseph, 19 points. You still have people that's putting the ball down. I mean, put, not putting the ball down. Think of volleyball. Getting shots in, putting the ball through the hoop, because that's what they do in basketball, <laughs> to win this game for SFA. Yeah, one of the things when I spoke with uh, head coach Kyle Keller last week before their Stephen F. Austin California Baptist game is he said he really needed Latrell Giselle to start putting up double digit scoring. They don't really have that go to guy this year that's, you know, putting up big numbers. It's kind of a combined team effort. And so, you know, he really was really hoping to lean on Giselle late in this. And so, what a game for him to be able to put up 19 as well. And then obviously, Bobron leading with 22. We look at some other games that went on in the WAC last night as my computer loads. We had another great one. Look at looking just oh, I'm so far behind. Here we go. Sorry guys. Back at it. <laughs> looking just at the five games we had, three were one at home, two for the road teams. One of those was UT Arlington getting the road win against Southern Utah, 76-68. What a game for UT Arlington. KT Turner has this team locked in. They're one that I think can can really make some noise in the WAC tournament. Oh, no, for sure. I think that they've been such on a momentum. It's just they've just been riding the high this season, I feel like. Um, they have been doing well in the WAC. Probably, you know, not as well as they would like to. They are 5-5 five and five right now. Uh, Southern Utah is 3-7, and seven, but like we said, it, it is hard to win on the road in the WAC. I think we have such good, like, gems that these teams play in and their fans they show up they show out they you know it's hard it could be pressured to win on the road so just for UTA to go into Southern Utah and get that win is very massive for them led the way by Philip Russell 22 points off the bench this is a guy that um he was a one of the two-time transfers and he got the call to be able to play um when the when the court in West Virginia had had barred that NCAA rule. So he picked up 22 points. Jawan Gordon, 18 points. Makai Williams, 14 as well. Brandon Talbot had 10. So four guys in double figures there for the Lumberjacks. And as we look at another game, let's, let's, uh, let's, why don't we uh, go to UTRGV at Utah Tech. The Trailblazers get the 81-64 win in St. George, led by 
multiple people. They also I'm about to say a bunch of people. Five <laughs> players in double figures as I'm looking at. How about this? Tennessee Rainwater, 12 points off the bench. And just what a name. I mean, can you have a better name? I love that name. I was just about to say that. I absolutely love his name. Like your parents, shout out to you because that is a great just name. How can you forget that name? Like that'll just stick with you. Like if you forget this name, you're crazy. I know I liked, uh, I believe maybe it was Shelby who was monitoring last night, who, uh, you know, who had posted smooth, like Tennessee rainwater. Yes. <laughs> no, I love it. That's a really a cute name. And so shout out to Utah Tech. I mean, John Judkins has his team, you know, doing really well right now. They're, they're another one that can make some noise in the tournament. Also, someone that maybe we wouldn't have expected. They had so many new guys, three guys returning. Two of them were starters last year, really played solid minutes. And they've just really been able to come away and, and find a way to win. No, for sure. I think you definitely need to look out for teams who can spread the ball around, like UTA, who has four people in double figures yesterday. Utah Tech has five people in double figures. I think where you can move a ball around, when you have many people who can knock down shots, you are a team you should be a little afraid of because it's not just one person you could double team or one person you have to stop. You basically have to stop all five players on the court at that like at that point. If all five players can score, even if you have people coming off the bench that can score, it is dangerous that's a very a good tactic for teams to have and you have multiple people who, who can score and who can get those high numbers at the end of the game and if you have multiple people like them who have people in double figures you should be scared <laughs> and who you keying in on you know i mean the scouting report is, is tough all and over the place <laughs> this is probably the game we might have we should have started with but thank you for our listeners for keeping on keeping on listening grand canyon seattle you this was the game last week, I mean, it was a quick turnaround. These two teams playing each other, they just played each other not too long ago. Seattle U gets the victory last time out at home, handing GCU their first conference loss of the season. Now GCU is the home team. They come away with the 95-88 win in overtime to get their revenge and split the series one and one. Yes, I think they were like winning majority of the game, of of course, until, you know, the last minute where it was a turnover on GCU side. Seattle, you made a bucket, tied it up, it was knotted up, and then, of course, we go to overtime. And I think, again, that's just a testament of how hard these two teams play. I know Grand Canyon was probably disappointed that Seattle, you got one off of them, you know, when they played them at home. You know, it was probably unexpected for GCU and probably even for Seattle, you, but the momentum is on Seattle, you side at this point. Like, yes. You're going into Grand Canyon's home and playing them where you have the Havocs and they wreak havoc on everybody. So, you know, it's about to be a very intense game of you stepping into Grand Canyon's gym. Um, but I think CLU handled it well. Just to even go into overtime should be a tremendous, you know, feat for them. And I definitely think this matchup may be fun to watch during the tournament. I Hopefully, I hope it does happen again. You know, that, I think that'll be a really good game just for the league in itself. Um, but just a tremendous play by these two teams. 100%. And now GCU has the best record in the nation tied with Purdue, 20 and two. Uh, Ray Harrison, 21 points. Gabe McLaughlin, 25 points. Ty and Grant Foster, 15 points. Just an awesome combined effort because, you know, it's, it's, it's so hard to win in the WAC and to be able to, to, Get the win over CLU and split the series was huge. And yeah, this is a mm -hmm. match I definitely want to be able to see in the WAC tournament. 
And when we, we're going to take a quick break when we come back, women's basketball and softball. And after that, stay tuned. We'll have an interview with CLU head coach, Chris Victor. Stay with us. It's time now for some women's basketball. Welcome back to the WAG podcast. Kendra Sheehan, Jess Radford here, the ladies breaking down women's basketball. And this one's quite the opposite flip-flop from the men's game because three teams on the men's side, one at home and two teams, one on the road. And for the women, three teams, one on the road and two teams, one at home. So let's start with those home victories. UT Arlington took down Southern Utah, 85-59. The Mavericks, they started the season really slow. Then they got on a seven-game win streak, and now they're back with some momentum. Credit to Sharika Wright and, and what she's been able to do, four players in double figures last night. No, for sure. I just think that they had a very tough non-conference schedule, which shout out to them. You want to play a tough non-conference schedule because when you get into conference, you know, it shows the level of play that you've played in for non-conference. And UTA, I, I don't know if anybody is surprised about their level of play. Um, I think when you're just looking at overall records and if you were keeping up, not really watching them play during the non-conference and you're like, oh, they're 0-5 or they're 0-6 and then they go on this seven-game winning streak, even before uh, conference late started. Um, and then now, you know, they're doing well in a whack. I think they're fourth right now. Um, they're six and four after today. And we'll see how they play tomorrow after tomorrow's game. But Avery Brigham has been absolutely astronomical for UTA right now. They're, she's just like leading the team. You know, she had a double-double. I think that's her seventh double-double of the season um, so far. So she had 14 points and 10 rebounds. Talia Clark, at first, she was perfect from the three. I think she had like three straight quarters where she was perfect for the three. She had like, she was four for four, but she ended the night with 18 and she ended the night four for six for the three-point line. But that is still, you know, really good from her. She's starting to get a rhythm. She's starting, you know, to get those buckets. Gia Adams is also another emerging star that I've seen that's been picking up tremendous points that has been really crucial to UTA, you know, pulling out these games. So she also had 14 points as well. Um, in that game. And I think, you know, when you look at Southern Utah, who was the WAC defending champs last year, um, they're just, you know, struggling a little bit, trying to find their feet. I'm not sure if they have everybody that they had last year come back. Um, but they're not doing, you know, that bad, but they're also not, I'm pretty sure not doing as well as they want to, especially in the WAC. But just, you can't just discredit UTA and how well that they're playing together and their level of play. So like you said, shout out to Shriko, um, cause she's been doing a tremendous job with that team. Samantha Johnson, coach's daughter, Tracy Mason's daughter, 16 points led the way for Southern Utah. Yeah. They're just a team that's trying to figure it out. When I spoke with coach Mason, she, you know, said it's, it's, it is, a, they're playing a, a bunch of new people are in different roles. They're trying to figure it out. And it's just going to take some time. Of course, you know, when you're in conference play, you don't want it to, to take too long and be too mm -hmm. time, but you never know. They could get hot at, at just the right time. Nobody wants to really be playing their best basketball. Now you want to be getting there and certain, mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, so interested to see, you know, how Southern Utah can, you know, maybe turn things around. How about Utah tech 91 55 for the road win in Edinburgh, 91 points. Macy Warren, 20 points. Brianna Gillen's back, 19 points. Maddie, her sister, 16. And Maggie McCord, 15. All sharpshooters that you just, all sharp 
charcuteries that you just listed right there. Utah actually has a stacked roster. I don't think many people realize like how good of shooters that they have on their team. You just named all four. All four are really good shooters. And like, you know, you have Macy Warren, you have Maddie Warren, you have Maggie McCourt, who's literally probably in the top 50 of three-point attempts, three-point percentage, you know, made three-pointers. So having them on their team is very, very crucial, I think. And they've been on a three-game winning streak, especially in the WAC, so that's very important for them because they've been climbing up the standings. I don't think they were doing too well at the beginning, but like you said, it's not about how you start, it's about how you end. So they've been on a streak. <laughs> they've definitely been on a hot streak. And just credit to those players who have been in double figures and has been shooting well for them because they need to keep that up. Because if they do, they'll go far for sure. Yeah, when we talked to J.D. Gustin at the beginning of the year. So last year at Media Day, their, their goal was to win a game in the WAC tournament. They went to the WAC tournament, won a game, accomplished that. I asked J.D. Gustin this year, what's the goal? And he said, you know what? We got big, big goals, but we're going to keep them in-house this time, and we'll let our, our play do the talking. And so I imagine that they'd like to make a run, and they certainly have the caliber of players to do so. How about this low-scoring game, Seattle U Grand Canyon? Grand Canyon on the road at Seattle U, 53-40, to 40, gets the win, and, you know, the Lopes just continue to thrive. And, and this really was such a low-scoring affair. Two players in double figures, Nadia Evans, Tiara Brown, and that was it. Just a real combined effort from everyone else, putting up some numbers. We know that CLU and GCU both like to play heavy defense, so this was quite the mm -hmm. battle. No, for sure. I watched this game all the way through because I don't think Seattle U gets enough credit for their defensive efforts. Seattle U is such a defensive-minded team. They're very aggressive. And I like, you know, not many people like aggressive play, um, but I like it. You know, it just shows that their record, <laughs> their record's not the best. It doesn't reflect, you know, their team. And I, I always feel bad each and every weekend when I'm, like, putting it in their overall record. They're one in 18 right now. They're one in nine in the WAC. But they play so hard each and every week. It's just like they don't care about their record. I know that it is hard when you have basically a new team, when you have a new coach. So they are in that learning phase right now. But still, they play so hard. Last time these two met, which wasn't that too long ago, like we were saying for the men's side, it was a double overtime game. And this time they tied it. They were tied up at halftime. It was 21-21. And I was very surprised about how low of a scoring game it was as well when it was going. Um, Trini San Antonio for Grand Canyon didn't really get it going into the fourth quarter, but she ended up having eight, and that was good for her. That was some crucial points that they needed to, you know, just to extend their lead. Um, but I just, you got to give credit to Seattle U because they they fight and they don't go down without a fight, especially against GCU. I don't know, like those games be neck and neck, I feel like. But GCU is just a, such another team that's just well-rounded who have people who can score and just get the ball around and it's just such a good team. And Nadia Evans, of course, as we know, like, it's not afraid to, you know, put the ball down, do some crazy stuff. She had a rebound sitting down, and then she knocks down a three. So um, they just have really key players who can cut it on and do well and just get the ball around. And that's just an overall good team. And I think I talk about this with Tony a lot, how Green Can doesn't really get recognition in our weekly awards, but that's just because everybody just spreads. The scoring is so spread out. Like, you don't have one player who just has a standout game because – they do just pass the ball around a lot. And they do have multiple people who can um, shoot and who can score. And I think that just works so well for them. 
Yeah, 100% Grand Canyon. Great problem to have for Molly Miller. Too many shooters, potentially. <laughs> Other purple team that come away with the victory last night. Well, on the road, Stephen F. Austin at Utah Valley. 72-63 win. Kirsten Harden leading the way with 14 points. Nine right, are we yeah, are we surprised about that? Uh, near double double <laughs> phone cheers harder at this one. <laughs> yeah, she is so good for them, and it's just like much needed, right? When you don't even think, when you think of a big, right? You don't think bigs get that many points or that many rebounds per game like she does. But that team, she literally, that team is fed through her. I think, guys, she just like dominates, and they and her team knows that they can trust her. Um, I think they had a freshman come off the bench, Lydia Cook Wiggins. She did really, really well. Um, I believe she's a freshman and she's not, I'm so sorry, but I think, I know she had not come off the bench. She was a starter, which I think this is one of the first times she has started for SFA and she did really well. She had 12 points, was knocking down some threes. Um, well, she had one three, but knocking down some crucial, you know, layups and just free throws that they needed. So definitely shout out to the freshman there. Destiny Lombard. I like her, how she plays. I like watching her play. She's just very aggressive and in your face when you need it. I really like that. You know, when you have those like, just players who's just all in and, you know, kind of like, um, ah, oh, her name is leaving me from UTRGV. Uh. Ayanna Dorsey? Yes, her. I like how she plays too. Yes, yeah, it's just like momentum and just the vibes and just, you know, how you get carried away in the game. I love players like that. Um, Zoe Nelson, 12 rebounds. She's, she's good too. <laughs> Two thumbs up from Zoe Nelson. Four yes. Points, 12 rebounds. Exactly. That, I mean, who cares about points when you get rebounds, right? That's right. Hello. Oh, <laughs> that's all you need. How about this one? Tarleton State gets the home victory over Abilene Christian, 74 to 66. I don't want to say it's a bit of surprise, but, you know, with the injuries that Tarleton State has faced, you know, they haven't gotten in any sort of rhythm this season. It's been, it's really hard for them. Pretty big. And I think that they had the momentum on their side the whole entire game. And I know Tarleton was feeling so good about that, especially when you're at home, you know, you have your home crowd, everybody, everything is just feeding from them. I think it was just, everything was just working out so good. They literally held Evelyn Christian to one point in the first quarter, one point. <laughs> and I think that was like insane. I was even shocked because, you know, Evelyn Christian could not get a shot in. And I was like, what's going on? You could tell that it was just a, a disconnect for Abilene. But then Abilene, of course, you no, know, Fred came back, you know, it was a little of a game, it was a fight, but Tarleton ultimately did come through and they won that game. And Jacoria Long has been astronomical for them, 16 points. Um, Miana Little, 23 points. Okay, girl. Off the bench, okay. too. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. We always love that. And just, I think, you know, they have those times where they have those momentums and where they win, you know, like, two in a row and I just think that like you said they just have to get it together another team with a new coach you basically have a kind of a new team and you just have to put the pieces together but I think they're slowly but surely figuring that out awesome stuff for women's basketball we're going to take another quick short break and when we come back softball right around the corner we got the preseason coaches poll stay with us It's softball season. Can you believe it? It's almost here. The preseason coaches poll came out, and no surprise here, Grand Canyon, the pick to win. 
Oh, for sure. Um, they had eight first place votes. You know, it's only 10 teams in our league because UTRGV doesn't have softball. Um, so eight first place votes for those. Utah Tech received one first place uh, vote and then Seattle U received the others. Um, I was actually so surprised. I thought Seattle U was going to get second, but Utah Tech and Seattle U was neck and neck with the coaches uh, poll. Um, and of course, that's all 10 coaches vote um, for this coaches poll. And it was very, the scores weren't far too far apart. Besides Grand Canyon and Utah Tech, I think it was very neck and neck. <laughs> Utah Tech was doing so well last year, and they really just kind of hit a halt. They went two and Q in the in the tournaments, and I think that was a big disappointment to them after doing so well. So cool to see them pick up a first place vote. And Seattle U is just always a perennial powerhouse. Somehow finds a way to get into the into the championship year in and year out. Um, but, you know, the preseason player of the year, no surprise here from me. I don't know about you, Kristen Fifield, of course, from Grand Canyon. No, for sure. Um, no surprise for me because, you know, our league talks about her a lot. So um, I am new and this is my first time with softball. So it is like, you know, I'm, I'm gathering so much information about all of these players. But her, that was not a name I was not unfamiliar with. Um, so she did good. Led the nation in RBIs with 85 last season. I thought that was just an astronomical stat for her. Just, you know, leading it even before the WAC tournament. I think she had, what, like 77 and she was leading the nation. And she ended the season with 85 and still led the nation. Um, you know, she's like softball's Caitlin Clark at this point, I feel like. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she led the WAC with 21 home runs. She had six sack flags. Um, 151 total bases. So she is a very crucial player, a graduate student. I know Grant Kane was happy to have her back for this season. Um, definitely will need it. But Grant Kane basically has everybody that helped them last year back again this year. Um, so I think that's also another reason why they're still number one in this league and picked to, you know, in number one. Because when you just have so many players, crucial players at that, that, you know, get you a win against UCLA in a tournament, then of course you're no surprise there that they're picked to win first. <laughs> and of course, I love her Her father at the tournament had a shirt of her face on it, which was awesome. Always love to see that. Grand Canyon also got the co-pitcher of the year. We had two this year, Megan Golden, and then Seattle used Stephanie Madrigal. And, and both of those two are just so solid uh, when they're inside the circle. No, for sure. I was looking at both of these stats and I was like, yeah, no wonder why, you know, they each have the same amount of votes from these coaches. Um, honestly, like you, you really can't tell. I think just from kind of from my perspective right now, the inside looking in, because I haven't seen any of these players play, but I'm actually like so excited because, you know, softball is actually so fun and interesting. I think it doesn't really get as much credit as it, as it deserves. And I think the WAC has so many teams that could just be, good and just an emerging softball conference and you know these literally it speaks for itself with these top five teams and I think you know CBU should be a team to watch out for as well um and just going back to these pitchers you know Megan Golden Golden of course like you know she led the WAC she had seven complete games two shutouts she was 14 and three on the season she led the conference in strikeouts with 117 um, that was what 8.92 strikes per game that she led the conference in as well. Um, so just yeah, tremendous game and effort on her part last season. So I'm definitely excited to see what she does this season as well. And then Stephanie for Seattle U, you know, she appeared in 36 games. She started 17 of those. Um, I mean, no, 
she started 28 of those. I'm sorry, but she had 17 complete games with five shutouts and three saves. Um, and then she had an ERA of 3.11 and 66 strikeouts. She was on the all-tournament team last year. Because um, wasn't it Seattle U and GCU in the tournament? They went against each other? Yes. 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 So she was on that all-tournament team. And I think, you know, she probably didn't have as many starts as she wanted to or, you know, as many strikeouts. But I think definitely she's one to watch going into this season for sure. And the tournament will be held at Seattle this year. So Seattle, you will have that home field advantage there for the tournament. It was held at Grand Canyon. Last year, Grand Canyon wins the, the tournament, goes to the NCAA, and potentially, you know, Seattle, you will have to, you know, see if they can do the same this year. Early indications, very exciting for the softball season. Also, baseball opening day is, is about two weeks away, so that's coming up. But we're going to have a quick segue, and we're going to have Chris Victor, Seattle U, finish out our podcast here as uh, this was recorded prior to the Grand Canyon matchup. So you'll hear a little bit about the preview for that one. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. I'm Kendra Sheehan, now joined by Seattle U men's basketball head coach, Chris Victor. Coach, it's always great to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's always great being on here. You're most notably coming off a massive win at home against Grand Canyon, handing the Lopes their first conference loss of the season. What type of statement did that game make to the rest of the league and how the Red Hawks are coming this final stretch of the season? Yeah, a big win for us. You know, we were coming off a three-game losing streak on the road, had a tough uh, tough few days in, down in Texas. Um, and Grand, Grand Canyon's having a heck of a year. So the timing of the win for us was very important to end the losing streak. And then you add um, the opponent. So it was a big win for us to get back on track. And we played a lot of close games this year, um, a lot of close losses. And um, getting one to go our way was also important for our, for our year. It seems like there have just been so many close games in the WAC this season. The caliber of competition is so high. What is it about close games, and how do you tell your team to, to be able to fight and close out those games, the final stretch, to come out with the win? Yeah, and, you know, being in this conference now for a while, that, that's it's understanding that those games are coming, um, whether at home or on the road. Um, every game in this um, conference is going to be a hard-fought win. And having that understanding and going into the game prepares, hopefully prepares our guys for, you know, the, the importance of every possession and um, the expectation that this is probably going to come down to a possession or two down the stretch. So we've been in a lot of close ones. So you know, we're hoping the experience that we're gaining now will help us as we kind of uh, come towards the back end of conference. In the game against Grand Canyon, you got Cameron Tyson back, your leading scorer. How much of a difference maker, of course, he does drop 25 in that game, but how much is a difference maker? How much of a difference maker is he when he steps on the floor? He's so important to us. I mean, scores the ball really well. Everyone knows that part of Cam's game. Having 25 after sitting out um, was pretty special. Um, but he's been such an important leader for our program. Uh, he's really grown in that area since he's gotten to Seattle three years ago. So having, missing not only his scoring ability and his presence on the court, but that leadership was something that we were missing too. So having him back is huge for us. Um, and it's good to, you know, when the shots are going in for him and he's scoring 25, it makes it that much more fun to have him back on the court. You follow up Grand Canyon taking on Utah Valley and you grid out a one-point victory there. How tough of a, of, a, of a win was that and how proud of your guys were you that they were able to close out those tough games that we mentioned that come down to the final stretch? 
yeah, it was important. Um, didn't play well in the second half offensively. Really struggled to make a shot. I think we're over 13 from three. So to be able to win a game when your offense isn't clicking and the shots aren't falling, but to be able to to stay in, stay together, stay connected, um, and compete for that win was great. You know, I don't know what it is about us playing the Wolverines. And every time we play Utah Valley, home or away, it seems to come down to that final possession. Um, so that was another one to add to add to the to the uh, to the list. Along with Cameron Tyson, you got John Christophilis back after. I mean, he's been back for a little bit, but he missed a month and a half or so due to injuries earlier in the season and transferred in from Creighton. How impactful has he been for this team this year, averaging over 13 points a game? Yeah, I think you've seen John's um, capable of having some big games for us offensively. Um, first game, he only played one before he broke his hand and was out for five weeks. And this is really John's first year of playing college basketball. You know, he was at Creighton for two years, didn't have much on-court experience. So um, the five weeks set him back a little bit, but um, he's an explosive scorer um, and he plays with with great passion and competitiveness. So having him on the floor for us is important and he's he's going to get better and better as the season progresses. So yeah, we had a little bit, a little unlucky. You know, John missed um, the five weeks and then when John got back for a couple of games, Cam uh, rolled his ankle and he was out for a few games. So it's good for those guys and our whole squad to to have our whole team and be healthy and be able to 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 play together and practice together and grow a little bit and keep improving. You have one of the more veteran squads this year in the league with with the returners of Brandon Chatfield, Kobe Williamson, Alex Schumacher. What do you think the ceiling is for this team when you guys are all playing your best, everyone's healthy and you're in a cohesive gel heading into March? Yeah, I mean, we're competing for a championship, and that's something that we talked about beginning of the season, um, and that hasn't changed for us. So, um, you know, when we, you know, the idea behind every college basketball program right now is to continue to get better and improve every day and play your best basketball when we get to Vegas. Um, and for us to be healthy now and all of our guys being able to practice and play together, that's still what we're focusing on. So, um, yeah, I love I love this group. Um you know, having experience in this conference helps guys that have played at Grand Canyon and been on the road in Texas and understand how every game is so difficult to earn a win. Having that experience is is huge for us because we've we've lost a lot of those and we've had some good wins. So we've been on both sides of it. So we can keep getting better and stay healthy and, you know, keep moving forward in the right direction. Um, that experience will help us down the stretch. And we have uh, we have some some high hopes for us for for this team in this season as we come come down to the end in March. Brandon Chatfield, he's been on our whack top play a few times with a few awesome dunks. He averages over ten points a game, and really, if you just look at his career, just continues to improve every single year. How special of a player is he, and how high is his ceiling as he continues just to grind and get better and better? Yeah, just you're right. I mean his. Uh, his growth since he's been here has been been really, really fun to watch and be a part of. Um, you know, and his confidence is so much higher than it was when he first got to Seattle and that he's impacting the game now at such a higher level than when he first got here. Not, not just, you know, he's always been a good defensive presence, guarding the basket, guarding the rim. But offensively now, he's he's making a lot more of an impact. So um, I think Brand still has a lot of room to get better. You know, he added a the three ball to his to his game last year a little bit and kind of mess you know mixing those in a little bit this year as well so there's still some offensive growth for him and the ability to continue to get better and better at defense and guarding the rim and such a good teammate um 
such a great guy to have in our program. Um, everyone's rooting for him and he's a hard worker and I'm, you know, everyone's excited to see what, what that ceiling can, uh, what that ceiling can be. You just got so many playmakers on the team. As I look at your roster, Alex Schumacher, I remember him specifically from Vegas last year as he had a really big game. He joined the 1500 career point club after uh, Stephen F. Austin, F and Stephen F. Austin game. What type of player can he be and how have you enjoyed watching him kind of grow and really take on this year two Red Hawk system? Yeah, Shoes had a great year. Um, really accepted and, and thriving in that point guard role. You know, he's a great scorer. He scored 1,500 points in his career. Um, he's had some big games scoring for us. But when he's leading our team as the point guard and controlling our offense, um, you know, that's when we're at our best. And he's done a great job. His assist rate um, is one of the top in the country. Um, he's taking care of the basketball. He's playing, he, you know, he's guarding a lot of great guards in this conference are his responsibility. So a lot of, we put a lot on shoe shoulders. And um, I think this year he's really coming into his own. And, um, you know, with him playing well at the point guard position and taking care of the ball and and creating opportunities for our team and keeping us organized, um, you know, coupled with the defense that he's able to play is a huge piece of what we're doing. So pretty quick turnaround. You're taking on Grand Canyon once again, this time at their house. What are some keys if you're going to come away with a, a win and sweep this series against the Lopes? It was a fun place to play. You know, our guys, I think, look forward to going down there. Um, yeah, we have a really tough road trip, not only Grand Canyon, then we fly over to California to play CBUs, won five in a row. Um, and they have the whole week off. So they're kind of just hanging out in Riverside, waiting for us to go down there on Saturday. But we're, you know, we're, we've been struggling on the road this year. We're one in six is our road record. And um, we've been in every one of those games. And we talked about how many close games we played this year, but the road has been, it's been troublesome for us. So big game for us, not only because it's Grand Canyon and, you know, a great challenge to try and get a win there, but just for us and continue to improve as a team. Um, we got to start playing better and finishing games on the road. So we're excited about this week. You know, two great challenges, two fun places to play, two great teams and great programs. And, um, yeah, we're excited about getting on the road and seeing what we can do. What is it – what do you tell your guys about trying to keep composure and maintain focus if they're scoring droughts and runs in games to be able to, to win in those hostile environments? Yeah, it's unique. There's so many um, – you know, some of the travel is different and difficult. Um, and all these programs do such a great job on their home courts. And um, yeah, it's tough. You got the, 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 the margin for error is very, very slim. So, you, you know, you try and control everything you can control and understand, like we talked about earlier, that these games are probably going to come down to a possession or two. So how disciplined can we be throughout the game, understanding that? Um, and then, you know, in those games, you need some guys to make some plays. You need some guys to make free throws and make some shots and your team needs to get some stops. So, um, do your best to put, you know, trying to do our best to put ourselves in a position at the end of these games to have an opportunity to win and then making enough winning plays to, to sneak out of there with one. But it's not easy. And you, you mentioned the kind of the stats of this year. So, um, you know, I think the teams that are able to some road games um, this season down the stretch might be get a little separation and get a little bump in the in the seedings as well. So we've got, we got two fun ones coming up. So see if we can get a couple of them. Certainly. And just lastly, what's kind of been the big focus in practice this week as you specifically have scouted Grand Canyon, although you just played them, not too much changing there, but specifically maybe some different drills that you're working on to prepare. 
Yeah, I need to, you know, they're so so talented offensively. Um they're they're well balanced with with guys that can really score. And we've gotten our butts kicked by a couple of them year after year. So trying to figure out um our best game plan um to try and quiet those guys a little bit. It's not easy. They're they, they got a bunch of talented players that can score in multiple ways. So for us, it's going on the road. We understand we're gonna have to defend to win these games. So We've been working on our just what we're going to do for these for these specific games and um, for these specific players, trying to get our game plan ready to see if we can slow them down a little bit to give us a chance to stay in there. Well, Coach, we wish you the best of luck as Seattle U heads to Grand Canyon to take on the Lopes a 7 p.m. Mountain Time tip-off on Thursday. You can watch that on ESPN+. Plus. Coach Chris Victor, Seattle U men's basketball head coach, thank you for joining us on the WAC Podcast. You got it. Thanks for having me on.